This episode is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped have kindly agreed to sponsor the podcast from the 1st of January to the 31st of January. Between these dates, you can use our promo code GTM to receive 20% off products and free worldwide shipping. January is a great time to get on these products as they have a massive January sale. If you've not heard of Manscaped before, then add the leading company in male grooming for in and around your family jewels. Manscaped have kindly sent me their Perfect Package 3.0. In this package, you receive their Lawnmower 3.0, which is a trimmer perfectly designed for your nevy regions, so you no longer have to worry about snagging the bag. As a listener of Go In The Match, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code GTM. Head over to www.manscaped.com to grab yourself an absolute bargain. Welcome back to the Go In The Match podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Gibbons of the Anfield Rap. Gibbo is a staunch red and has been one of the hosts of the Anfield Rap for many years now. Gibbo, thanks for giving me your time today, mate, and coming on the podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. Okay, so can you take us back to your childhood following the Reds? Where were you born and how did your love for Liverpool Football Club begin? So I was born born in Liverpool. Uh, I think like a lot of people, um, you know, born in the city, you, you, you sort of give it a team at birth, really. Yeah. Um, generally, your dad supports, um, and yeah, you don't really remember getting much choice in the matter. Really, it's it's brainwashing <laughs> from an early age, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so my dad wasn't from Liverpool actually. My dad, my dad was born in Cheltenham, but he fell in love with Liverpool, um, the football team, um, and the place. Yeah. Quite early. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think so. So when he was, when he was sort of ten, eleven was when the Beatles were were starting, and and you know all that, and, and Liverpool, you know, won the FA Cup in '65, and I think it just seemed a very exciting place to a to a boy on a a council estate in Cheltenham, and so he just he just loved everything about the city and Shankly and all that. So as soon as he could, he moved there, yeah. which was when he was eighteen. So he came here for college and then just stayed, and so he he had a different journey to me if you like uh, whereas for me like as I say it was just always there where you support Liverpool and that's that and so you know I had all the videos when I was a kid and just used to watch them all the time and obviously this was you know in the 80s so it was just yeah. Liverpool winning things at the end of every year <laughs> so it was loads of great players loads of great goals and then a nice shiny trophy at the end so why, why wouldn't you want to watch that you just <laughs> used to watch them every day really um, until I was lucky enough to go for the first time when I was eight. Yeah. So have you got any any memories, that, like early memories from the, the first match you went to or any first match day experiences? Well, yeah. Well, the first match I went to was the last time Liverpool won the league before, well, obviously the most recent one. Wow, really? So, um, so 1990 when I was eight. So I've got a really vivid memory of it because, um, yeah, 1998, we beat QPR 2-1 and clinched the title. Um, and it wasn't guaranteed we were going to win the title that day. We needed uh, Villa to drop points and they drew at Norwich. Yeah. Which I've since looked into, uh, you know, looked into. Like, I don't, I, don't I, I can't remember, you know, who they were playing, you know, on the day type thing, but I've looked into it since that they, they drew with Norwich. Um, I don't think I really sort of had the gauge of... of of the league or anything going, it was just the excitement of going to watch Liverpool. Yeah, I think my dad, th- I think my dad thought it might happen, and so he, he sort of got tickets, which was mad if you think about it. Like I think <laughs> now, 
you yeah. know, the idea of just going, oh, we'll just we'll go to that game. Liverpool might win the league. Do you know what I mean? You won't get a ticket for, for love, no money, would you? But back then yeah. it was different. And, uh, you know, they were used to success and also there wasn't the sort of inter- international fan base that you have now and, and yeah. you know, online tickets and all that. So so I, I remember being, I remember my dad telling me we were going and all the excitement there, then him showing me the tickets and, you know, paper tickets back in the day and they used to have a, um, the, the, the stadium diagram on the back and kind of work <laughs> out where, where they were sitting. Oh, that's the entrance we're going in. We're going to be around there. We were um, main stand. Um, well, then QPR went 1-0 up and I remember, you know, maybe that's saying not to worry type thing. You know, sometimes that happened. Um, yeah. But then they, they won 2-1, uh, Barnes and Rush scored. Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, and then after the game, it was like oh, they, you know, they, they had a bit of hang around on the pitch, and then it was announced they'd won it, and then everyone's, you know, stood up singing you never walk alone. I remember that playing, and and thinking this is brilliant. <laughs> this is just like the videos where at the end we win the league, um, and this is great. And thinking every game is going to be like that, and then obviously, in gone into the nineties, I was in for a rude shock. <laughs> So do you think, obviously, when you were going as a kid then, you, you knew then, like, this, this is what I want to do every week, go and watch the Reds. And and obviously, like you say, you're touching on there, the 90s obviously was a completely different time. What what was that like as a fan growing up? I mean, it was, but, like, I still loved it. Like, I, I am lucky and I was lucky. So my first game, as I say, well, it was 8, 1990. Yeah. I had a season ticket from the age of 10. Okay. So I went from 0 to 60 fairly quickly like mm-hmm. um so so with 1992 now they built the upper centenary stand so all these extra tickets become available and as i say it wasn't that hard anyway it was certainly not as hard as it was now but they had all these extra tickets they were selling these seasons tickets for this new stand mm-hmm. um and so my dad just bought two and they were for the family he said um <laughs> although he always had one do you know what i mean <laughs> and then the others um, which to sort of be rotated. Um, my mum says she never got to go. That's she was she was she was moaning to me about that the other week. That, that, that <laughs> she never got to go. But me and my sister used to share one. Yeah. Um, back then, but so but but it was brilliant. And and you know even you know even even in that period, you know, you, the thing is with with, with Liverpool in the nineties was you'd always thought we we get our act together soon. You know, no one then thought it was going to be thirty years without a title. Yeah, so it was. We had a good team. It wasn't a brilliant one, but you know we had, you know it was coming third or fourth every year. You know some fans would laugh at us, people moaning about that one day. But you know, so you'd always felt like then the, the big thing was always oh, Liverpool just need the last piece of the jigsaw. There was all, so many players in the nineties who were meant to be people, you know, meant to be this last piece of the jigsaw. But it shows that the, the you know you just always felt that we were sort of nearly there, really. So. I still loved it, and there's still some great players. You know, you're going into sort of mid '90s. You got Fowler and Manaman, and you know, even sort of early '90s. You know, there's you get the tail end of bands and Rush and things like that, and yeah, you know, and then Colin Moore coming in, and and there was so there was there's a lot of talented players there. They just couldn't quite sort of gel it together, and or, or quite get enough points to sort of, you know. To, to get to the top, but you know, it was still good football and it was still going the footy every week, and yeah. you know, it was, it was still great. So, what does a standard match day look like for yourself now? Obviously, before COVID's coming, I can imagine being involved in the Anfield rap match days must be pretty hectic for yourself. They're not too bad, you know. 
like you'd be surprised like obviously like with all the all the all the pre-match stuff we like to get it out handy because like obviously it's got a shelf life on so if you do a match preview yeah you know it's only it's only you know interesting until the match has started and then it's 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 you know it's it's well it's chip paper isn't it to use the newspaper analogy and so and so you want to get it out like handy so people have got time to listen to it and, and enjoy it and everything so so if we say we're going to play three o'clock on a Saturday you know all our stuff will be out on the Friday so we have a busy Friday Thursday's a busy for us as well they, yeah. we tend to record mainly sort of Thursday afternoon into evening and then Fridays are quite busy but they're okay um, so then by Saturday you've done it all really and. You know the, the the social lads are busy and things like that, but but I I don't really I, I mean I do little bits, but you know I'll, we we sort of muck in a little bit on on match days, but there's people who do much more than me in terms of that side. You know I'm just like oh, if I see something good, I'll take a picture of it. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> and so I'm not you know I'm not I'm not at the cold face by any stretch of the imagination on on match days. Like my my match day you know, is, is pretty much the same as, as, as it's always been, really. And after the game, I, I host our immediate post-match reaction show. Yeah. But but it's in it's in the pub. It's the pub I'd be in anyway, the Glen Book we do it in, uh, which is where all my mates go. You know, they, they've been good to us. They've given us a space. You know, it's a little bit rowdy, but that's what we want. Yeah. Um, and then I host that. And then as soon as I've said, you know, thank you, thanks for listening up the heads, my bit's done then. And then... You know, uh, obviously, uh, Andy is our main producer on match day. He's got to then get the show up and things like that. And so, yeah. you know, he's got a bit of work to do. And I know that obviously the, the sort of written stuff. So our editors got quite a bit to do. But but even then, because we, we're trying to get everything else as soon as possible, like, you know, again, you're all done like a, cu- a couple of hours after the game, Max. So, yeah. so the game finishes at five. Say we, we want to have it, want to have everything out by seven because again, immediacy is important to people. You know, if Liverpool about a big win, people want to hear the show, they want to see the videos, they want to read the, the, the written stuff, and so it's getting it out, getting it out. So, so we're a little bit manic for a couple of hours after, but <laughs> you know, that, but that's but that's fine. And even me, I'm only probably after, and I wouldn't call me manic. I'm, I'm talking into a microphone. <laughs> So obviously we touched on there, you've been at the Anfield Rat for a considerable amount of time now. Being a subscriber myself, obviously I've, I've been a massive admirer of all the work and all the content that you guys put out there for the fans. Can you tell us how, about how you got involved in the rap initially? So I um, listened to the first one and just thought it was great. And I knew Neil, um, and I'd actually done a footy podcast with Neil, um, which was... Uh, like recorded over Skype, but you know, I mean, we're doing this over Zoom now. But I don't know your setup. I've got a decent microphone here, the Yeti one and stuff. And you know, sort of a bit more used to it now. Then it was just sort of shouting into laptops over like a Skype line. Yeah. Um. So me and Neil tend to do it together. This part, this other part. Um. It was the YNWA forum, uh, which is still going. Um. And they had the sort of little pod, and it was one of the first ones. But uh, the guy who, um recorded it did didn't live in Liverpool so he and who did it all and, and sort of moderated the forum if you like um, you know he'd set the Skype up but I'd always try and meet up with Neil and to do it because Neil lived in town in the city centre so it wasn't hard do you know what I mean yeah and so I'd do it in his or we go to a bar or whatever and, and then but then with them to you know at least one other person who we were talking to sort of wasn't there really and, and you know it was a bit crudely recorded and you know yeah you know, it was, 
it wasn't it wasn't then but then I went and listened to the first Anfield rap and it was Neil Hostin and it was they recorded it in Par Street, so they hired Par Street Studios because they wanted it to be like, even though it was fan media, they wanted it to sound as good as possible. So they wanted to sort of bridge the gap, if you like, between yeah. professional recordings and, and supporting media. And that was, you know, a very sort of brave thing to not brave is the wrong word, then it's you know what I mean. They're not, they're put not yourself, yeah, put yourself out. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but they were like they were they were ballsy, do you know what I mean? They were like yeah. I mean, Par Street Studios, like I don't know if people know it in Liverpool, but it's where like Coldplay recorded albums and stuff like that. It's like oh. it's 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 proper, it's a proper gaff like, <laughs> and um, so so they I think Phil Collins owns it now actually, but anyway, but so they would so they did it there and they used to do it on a Monday morning because it because it was because no bands would want to record at eleven a.m. on a Monday morning like so it was always free, um, so they used to do that and hire a proper producer and all that and, and you sort of this space and so I heard the first one and I was and I was like that's great I want to get involved so I was pestering Neil and Andy <laughs> who were new as well yeah. um, just from the match really yeah there's no there's no big sort of story you just sort of get to know people sort of from the game and from yeah. the ways and Neil and Andy had, had helped set up Spirit of Shankly as well and I was I wouldn't say I was involved in SOS, but you know, I went to meetings and, and yeah. went on marches and stuff like that. So I knew them sort of from there, but then from forums and things and and, and as a, you just from sort of yeah, sort of real real life. And so <laughs> um so I just pestered them really and just said, Can you go, oh, I wanna come on, wanna come on? But it was quite hard for me at first because it was like eleven o'clock on a Monday. Yeah, uh, work like so. We used to have to like sort of invent meetings, and I'd always probably want to do the bank holiday ones, put myself down for that. <laughs> uh, but then, and yeah, and they just sort of let me come on because the good thing about the Ampere app is that it'll give people a go, do you know what I mean? And we still do, we still have new people on, and you give someone a go, and yeah, you know, yeah. if they like it and they enjoy it, then you, you sort of you're happy to, to to help them and you know I mean everyone's crap the first time but as long as they, as long as people get better if people don't get better then it's a worry then you've got things like <laughs> polite but but people know people know whether they enjoy it or not whether they you know that you know it's for them or not really sort of quite quickly so yeah so so yeah it was just uh, just me listening to it basically being a fan and and saying you know I really I really want to come up and um and then, yeah, so the, the Mondays were a bit of a pain. But then after a year, we got offered a radio show on mm-hmm. a Friday on Radio City Talk, which is sadly no more, but was like a talk radio station here in Liverpool. And yeah. they wanted us to do a show. They wanted the Amphitheater Rap to do an hour, basically. I mean, you know, it was cheap labor, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> but that was Friday at five o'clock. So that was perfect for me because I would always finish early on a Friday. Yeah. Um, so me and Neil used to work in the in the buildings next door to each other in the in the business district of Liverpool. So we'd finish it, meet up a quarter to five, and literally peg it um, <laughs> across town in our suits, and we'd be up the the tower, the Radio City Tower, and we'd be you know we we they always used to laugh at us saying like we'd be through the door at one minute to five, and then we'd be on the radio at two minutes past. You know what I mean? Like no sound checks or preps, but but it was great and it was so exciting and it was it was brilliant. I used to love doing that hour of radio, and it felt like you know you were you know starting everyone's weekends, and, and we used to have a good time, and it really kind of helped hone our, our sound. Really, I'd encourage anyone to try and do radio if you can, especially live radio, because it really gets you thinking about structure and about you know time and and podcasts are great and and the flexibility around them is brilliant and but i think 
you know, having this thing with we'll, we'll part once 12 minutes. So what are you going to do? And how are you going to fill that? And how are you going to make sure someone doesn't turn the dial to, to go somewhere else is, is really, um, is, is, is a really good kind of discipline to learn really and to sort yeah. of develop. And so, so that was really good. So then, but then I used to do that every Friday with Neil. And so that's sort of where, where we, we really cemented our partnership, if you like, and our working relationship and, and really got to understand from each other what what we thought, kind of not just radio but any sort of football broadcasting, if you like, should should be and should look like, and and we've sort of followed that sort of structure and mantra ever since. That's the sort of thing that I like probably the most about the Anfield rap is like like you said before, you're getting different people on, new people on that are giving their opinions and experiences about the club and the club now, previous games and all the content that you guys provide, that's the sort of like niche thing that I think like talking for myself and other people, that's what people enjoy the most. Is 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 doing the Anfield rap something that you'd probably years ago ever thought that you would be doing going forward, giving your opinions and stuff on the footy? No, absolutely not. Um <laughs> So it just sort of fell into me, I'm not saying to me lap. I mean, I shut myself forward for it, so uh, I suppose. So, but it, it wasn't like I want to do this as a, as a career, really. I mean, yeah. I feel that sort of split into people who maybe had aspirations to journalists, to be a journalist or, or were journalists. So Robbo and Andy were both print journalists. I'm talking about Robbo and had his own fanzine. And so, you know, he was, he was, very much in the you know in the camp of you know of, of wanting to wanting to work in the media well actually you know working in the in the media but and also kind of understanding that place and that um you know our form really um and they had done bits of writing and stuff done match reports for the times and things like that and um and then there's still people who are involved now who are say you know contributors who, who want to get into this world and see the Anfield rap as something that can help them develop and and help give them experience and we're obviously you know delighted to do that and there's people who who are doing really really well now in in sort of you know the world of, of media who who either started with us who or certainly developed with us and I'm, I'm really proud of that yeah um but for me and, and Neil like we were um you know we were just working in offices in, in town and 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 you know and perfectly fine it's slightly different Neil Neil Neil's a, a, a made a couple of films and, and so he's you know he's he's he was he always interested in me as sort of a film producer and, and, and possibly still is um but I think for me you know it wasn't it wasn't like I wasn't you know desperate to sort of work for a newspaper or anything or write about football or even felt like necessarily that you know my opinions were any sort of you know more valid I wasn't thinking oh, the, the, the world is desperate to know what I think about <laughs> um, about Stephen Gerrard like it wasn't really that it just yeah I just listened to them and thought that sounds really good fun and, and, I, yeah. and, I, and I want to sort of get involved really. And I think that's that for, as I say, with the Anfield Raps, a bit of a split and, and there's, there's there's quite a lot of people who are still involved from a contributor point of view. Maybe not necessarily the people who work there, but from a contributor point of view for them, it's like, it's a really nice hour at the end of the day or it's a really nice break from from the, yeah. you know, what it is they do full time. Do you know what I mean? And it's something yeah. to look forward to. It's a good hobby. You know, it's it's I say it's talking about the game. It's and we we always have to be conscious of that is when people come in as you know, for them that might be just the thing they really look forward to all day coming in to do the show with us. So we can't, we've got to be you know mindful of that really, and not that we're all stressed out. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, do you know what I mean? Like give, give people the experience yeah, exactly. they want from the Anfield. 
So I know you've done your fair share of away days over the years as well. Have you got any particular grounds or matches that you've been to that you've enjoyed the most? Grounds. A lot of people that have come on have said they've done Fulham. And, uh, Fulham's, one of the Fulham's great because it's like a nice day out. You know, it's not edgy. It's like, you know, not, not wrong with a bit of edge sometimes, I suppose. But, it's, but you know, it's right by the river. It's, it's, it's a beautiful part of, of London. Like, and, and you can, you know, have a beer on the river and it's all fine. Like, sometimes you go to an away ground and it's like, no way fans in pubs, say like within three miles or whatever. And, you, you know, it's a bit yeah. of a fight to get a beer, whereas Fulham sorts are not like that. Obviously, we've had some great wins there. So I was at Fulham in 0809 when Yossi Benyun scored in the last minute. Yeah. Um, that was that was that was brilliant. Um I was there Fulham um 12 13 when Study scored a hat trick. That was a good day. Um a couple of years ago uh, when we were sort of on the march and didn't quite make it but James Milner scored a league penalty there and, and dinked it and that was good. And we, we would we had a little lad with us and he, it was his first away game and he managed to get Andy Robertson's shit after the yeah. game which was like you know we yeah, I mean, you told me before about like you know getting spoiled as a kid and thinking it's going to be like this every week. Uh, yeah, I think he had to be told by his dad that not not to expect a footballer's shirts after every game. Like, no, Fulham's Fulham's really good, and you you know if if if, if you win there especially, but it's but it's just a sort of a, a nice day, really. Um, I like Newcastle, uh, the away and shit, but I like going up there. I like the city. I went to university in Newcastle, so I'm quite fond of it. But um, yeah, Newcastle's a good one. We did, we did that in 2016 when when Alden scored two against us. Like, but that's oh, yeah. much the experience is really good up there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the stadium's like in the city centre. Yeah. So that's perfect. So you know, get off a train or whatever, or however you get there, and like. You know, you've got your choice, haven't you? You can do whatever you want. You know, pick your own adventure type thing and then just like bounce over to the stadium. And so, yeah, Newcastle's a good one. Um, I'm just trying to think of sort of others I like, really. Um, How does the, like, the, the European aways compared to the domestic aways for you? Because doing myself, I've, I've, I've domestically, I've done like, I've done Newcastle, Burnley, etc. West Brom as well. But then... Doing Roma in 2018, and I did Villarreal in 2016. Like the whole concept of European away is just completely different, isn't it? Yeah, it's like I mean, in terms of the ground, like you've always like got to try and get in well early and stuff. And there's always like you know, conscious of the police and and things like that. Really, it's not just a case of you know Newcastle, like you you know five to three and you sort of bouncing up the stairs. Do you know what I mean? Whereas <laughs> you sort of have to plan it a bit more. Have to be conscious of like yeah. you know different things. I mean. Roma, I've 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 done I've done Roma, and obviously um, I was at that Roma game as well, and obviously like there's the there's a bit of history between the supporters and things, and so it's something you've you you you've got to be sort of conscious of really, and so we were yeah. obviously bust out there, and, and it just just needs a bit more planning and just a bit more like having your wits about you and you know wherever it is really, but obviously there's no better feeling than watching Liverpool win in any away ground, and the further it is, the sort of the better it feels, really, and that that makes against Roman, obviously, because they got through to the final, they win the game, but got through was was incredible, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's it, it you know, always feel slightly privileged as well in, in a way, and because there's only so many of you there, and there's only so many you get to watch Liverpool and Anfield, but it's a bigger number, isn't yeah. it? And, and as I say, I've been part of that since I was ten uh, with the scenes again, so you know, eventually that sort of goes away, but I'm always conscious of it as an away fan, thinking, well, there's only you know, it might be two or three thousand of you there, and you know, you you you're lucky to be one of them people, and and it's on you to 
to you know be as noisy as possible and to support the lads as much as we can and, and make sure that the, the, the players can hear yeah because it's less of you and, and so I'm always sort of conscious of that really but you've normally had a few beers so you don't need much encouragement anyway <laughs> so at time of recording we've just been Spurs with a last minute Bobby Firmino header and I know you were one of the lucky 2000 that actually got on the ground for that um, I was on the cop for the Atletico match last season which obviously has turned out to be our last match of a full attendance mm. Some time now, it feels like forever since being back on the ground. Can you tell us what that experience was like in terms of obviously being happy to be back on the ground? But was it strange in the fact that there was only two thousand of you there? It felt like more because of, of sort of how they done it. So I mean, you say only two thousand. There's fifteen hundred in the cop, and then obviously five hundred in the main stand. And the main stand looks a bit funny when you look over with like five hundred people in it. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> but in the cop, it felt like there was more of us. I think because because of how you spaced out. You sort of five seats away from people, and, and then a couple of rows in front. Yeah, you know, and so, so you spaced out, but you're not like miles from each other. So you're in like quite a tight little gang, but not like it, you know, feels safe. Yeah, um, and you know, I mean, look, you've been in, you know, Anfield. You know, sometimes when we're freeing it up and and people can't be asked and people stream out, like on it felt it probably felt like Anfield on eighty five. You know, when, when we when we're freeing it up and, and everyone's made a dart for the for the tunnel or whatever. And so, you know, it, it's you could still. I, I was surprised how how full it felt. I suppose because I was I was slapped back in the middle of the cop as well. I was in two hundred five, which is yeah. which is the block behind the goal, a little bit further up. So there's there's. There's 105, 205, and 305 for those who know, and, and, then, and then obviously, you know, the ones to the side of that, you know, a number accordingly. And, yeah. And, you know, they didn't open any of the threes, and so you're in one and twos, and, and it just sort of spaced out. But yeah, it just sort of felt there were more of us, really. And, you know, it, the weird thing was when Spurs scored, and there's just no noise whatsoever. Like, that That's was strange. Cute. I used to hear them, like, in a way, and go up, and, and it's just silence. You know, it's almost like, you know, they're not going to count it. Um, but. No, I really enjoyed it, and obviously the things that are different. But the stewards were, were great, and sort of trying their best to be as accommodating as possible, and yeah. you know, trying to help you in any way they could. People got masks on, and you know, it was it it was good. It was you know, it was it wasn't perfect, and you know, there's obviously we want to get more in, and you know, but it was it was still great. It was still going to watch Liverpool go top of the league with a last minute win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not bad, is it? <laughs> was it obviously at the matches you can you know you can usually hear the players talk and can you hear them more intensely then with less fans obviously I couldn't really from where I was yeah um, I don't know maybe I was just too noisy myself like we were I was maybe a bit far, far back from that I think as well like the, the cops like a sort of a you know contains the sound a little bit doesn't it I think maybe yeah. the people in the main stand would say yeah you can hear them more and things like that and yeah you know I'm often I I my scenes to get was slash is I suppose in the centenary stand and so sometimes you know you could hear people even from there I was sort of quite far back but you could hear so so I think from there you could where's the cop I don't know just sort of does its own thing <laughs> doesn't it and so yeah so you don't really sort of get that uh, vibe really so you've had some great times in recent years working for the rap you know I know as a, as, a, as the Anfield rap as a whole you've had Jurgen Klopp interviewed a few occasions, Van Dyke, and obviously you've been away on the pre-seasons when the team's been out there in different countries. What's, what would you say the single most favourite thing that you've done personally whilst being involved in the Anfield rap is? 
yeah, it's a good question because, like, obviously, like the sexiest stuff is the players and the um, and, and you know the managers, and that is boss. Like we've done Jurgen, I think four times now. Yeah, um, and I've done three of them, and they've always the one all the ones I've done have been in America, and so that's quite cool. We we go on the preseason tours because like we get better access basically, and yeah. so so we're just treated like a media company there rather than here where there's a lot more rules and stuff, yeah. which is fine. Like we wouldn't necessarily want to be, you know, at all the press conferences and stuff like that, but we can have a bit more fun with it in the summer. It's a bit more relaxed, and also the players have got a bit more time as well. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. so we can we can sort of get stuff and do stuff, and so so we love the tours and I missed it this year, but I think. For, for us, um, you know, it's just sort of get it's got bigger all the time, I guess. So, the last tour we did, we did our own live shows, but also we got involved with Liverpool's. Um, and, and Liverpool did some, so like we were like JB Webster's warm up, like tact if you if you <laughs> if you like, but but you know, that's fine anytime. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I don't think you need, need much warming up to be honest with you, but. But we were doing it, but but so that was great. So we did something in the House of Blues, which is like a really famous venue in Boston, yeah, uh, which was two thousand people, and that was like a, you know, a riot. It was great, <laughs> um, and then doing that, and then get and then the Yen Crop interview was the next morning. So getting up, hungover, mm-hmm. you know, quick shower, brush your teeth, and then off to speak to Yen again, like real. That's not bad, like for a, for the twenty four hours, is it to do like a, you know, a sold out. 2000 capacity gig um, in, in, on the Saturday night, and then to get up on the Saturday morning and, and, and get into the uh, again. Like, that's that's it's not a bad weekend, is it? <laughs> so, finally, the podcast is centered around going the match. So, with every podcast we're doing, I want to end by asking what are your top three favorite matches you've been to or seen? Okay, um, number one's Barcelona. Now, I never thought, um, any in the top, be number two, uh, which is Istanbul, but um, Barcelona was just another level in terms of what happened that night, and, and yeah. I'll never forget it. And you know, just going in with no expectations, and then and then coming out. Uh, I've got a funny story about that actually. Um, so we we did uh, me and Craig did something for the BBC on Northwest tonight. I think it was okay. Um, so they said, can you come and meet us at the ground? Go, go live about half six or whatever. It's like, sad, no worries. So got up there. We do this little video thing for, for Northwestern night. It's just, a, you know, it's just a little match preview, bit of colour for them. We're outside the ground. You know, goes out on the news. Happy days. Like three minutes. Um, <laughs> but the BBC are funny because if, like, they see someone who's all right and they can talk and blah, 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 they, like, jump on you and try and get you to do other stuff because they're yeah. like, oh, you know, Oh, he was he was good. We'll get him to do this as well. Um, so I got a text from someone and saying, "Just seen you on this, blah blah." And he said, "If Liverpool win, will you come on BBC Breakfast in the morning? Um, if you go through, uh, we we'd love to get you to." Um, so the, the the BBC are based in Salford, uh, which is obviously Manchester, where Man United play. Um, yeah, can we get you there? 
in the morning and I was just laughing like thinking this is someone who hasn't got a clue about footy here because we're not going through so I was just like yeah no worries I'll come Sam <laughs> and then obviously they went through 4-0 and I'm like on the AL doing the live show podcast we had fucking Michael Fassbender on the post-match show with us and all sorts it was like alright and then this person texts saying so you're still on in the morning and I said I'll come but you're going to have to send a taxi because I'm not going to be able to drive <laughs> it was like I think they wanted to be there for seven um, so they did good enough. He said, "Yeah, so so they said so they got a taxi picked me up at like quarter past six, still drunken, and went and did the BBC." Um, so so yeah, so that was that one. But um, <laughs> so yeah, me looking looking fresh as anything on BBC breakfast, but big smile on my face, obviously. So Barcelona was number one. Uh, Istanbul's number two. Everyone, I mean, everyone knows the Istanbul stuff and story, and you know that was incredible. Um, well, what was that experience like for you looking back on it now obviously like you say everyone knows obviously about about the game and but you know half, you know, half time obviously is, is well spoke about that you never walk alone um, I've had Keith Salmon on here before he went to Istanbul too and he said you know that half time you never walk alone th- there was something in it what was your obviously take on that sort of disagree with Keith I like Keith he's a nice fella but sort of disagree with him there I think for me, the never walk alone was more kind of just letting the players know that we were all right and it was all right and don't worry about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like, because they give us this amazing journey. Like that team was, it was all right, but it wasn't anything to write home about really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we hadn't expected to get through the Juventus game and then certainly not the Chelsea game. And so we got to the final and then it obviously all gone horribly wrong, but it was more kind of, you know, you know, we're still with, yeah. I, I, I certainly, from my point of view, it wasn't any yeah, sort of rallying cry. Yeah, we're like, we're still, we're still here. You know, obviously, yeah, we're not exactly. Yeah, although you didn't have any choice because the, the ground was like over an hour outside the city, <laughs> so like there was nowhere to go. <laughs> um, it was such a weird venue for the for the final, and I gather the uh, the final this season is there as well. Although I think they've built an expressway or something. Someone was telling me. Um, so it's no longer through all these tiny villages and, and it's still <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, but it's just quicker. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so so Istanbul, and also Istanbul was special because, you know, I was 23. So yeah. it was, you know, it felt like our final, you know, for me and me mates who'd, you know, there's a gang of us who started going the game together around the time of the treble. So 2000, 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd had the sorts of Benitez years and then into, sorry, the Hooray years and then into Benitez and, you know, and then, and, you know, Liverpool only got back into the European Cup or the Champions League in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for the whole 90s and, and, you know, we hadn't had it and obviously the late 80s, they were banned. Yeah. And so that was, that was the, the, the you know, something that, that we felt we were missing from our, like, match day lives and experiences was you know as I said I'd watched all these videos to death when I was a kid and seeing the Liverpool fans you know take over the Rome Stadium and all those red and white checked flags yeah. they just looked incredible and there was just so many of them and you know those finals and, and also all the stories you know because I mean Scousers love telling a story don't they around the, the journeys there and the bunking all the trades and, and blah 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 and, and you know what it was like on the day and and you know, we, we we wanted our own bit of that, really. You know, our own stories to bore our kids to death with, and so um, so so Istanbul felt like that. 
to yeah. me and and the day yeah. the day in Taxi Square was incredible and you know and then and then getting over to the ground you know getting in and and obviously what we saw sort of second half onwards as well was yeah was just sort of un- unreal and so so that that I say that'll always be up there it might get knocked off I thought it'll always be number one so who knows um, <laughs> but those 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 two were sort of standouts really. And if you are going to trouble me for the third, uh, the third's a little bit harder because I've been lucky and have been to some great ones. But again, 05, that Chelsea semi-final was great. Was, another thing about that was is I, I didn't have a ticket for that. So I, I mentioned to you before that I effectively shared a season ticket with my sister. Yeah. Um, and, and she was still going then. Um, she stopped going now, really, but she was... She was she was very much going then, and, and um, <laughs> I think she basically stopped going when my dad started going. Well, you need to start paying. Um, <laughs> so I think that was it. But um, but no, she was going then. And so I'd been to Juventus. I really wanted to go to that Juventus game. And as I said, I thought we were going to get off to that. So so I didn't have it to her for Chelsea, and I was sort of all right with it really. Um, but in the morning in the game, I managed to get one right uh, through someone my dad knew. Um, and he said, I've got one, but it's on, it's on its own back of the cop. And I was like, Sam, don't care, it ends in. So I'm going to get a ticket on the morning of the game. So so that's what made it more special, really, because I didn't think I was going. And then I, and then I was, and then I was dead. And um, yeah, it was funny as well, because I was I, I was on my own and I went to my seat and all that, like a good boy. And, you know, and then and then I saw me mates at half time and I was like, could I come and watch the second half with you? And they were like, no, everyone's got to stay in the same place. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, superstition, isn't it? Like, you know, if you, yeah. it's like, you know, if, if, if someone gets up to go to the toilet and they score, you try, you know, you, you try to send them again 20 minutes later on and stuff like that. And, um, so, so basically, they, they sent me back to watch the second half on my, on my own, but, but, but quite right too. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't change anything. And uh, I went and found them after the game, obviously, and we sort of hooked each other and just couldn't believe we were going to a final. Uh, my mate got married that summer as well. My best friend got married that summer in, in, in Las Vegas. And so, yeah, it was it was it was some party for a few Thanks months. <laughs> some party. Fantastic. I think that's a fantastic way to finish, mate. So just before you go, just a massive thank you for coming on and giving up your time. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Nice to speak to you, mate. If you enjoyed that episode and want to keep notified for future episodes, please make sure you subscribe, follow and share. And of course, leave us a five-star rating. You can now follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all at Go In The Match to keep updated for future episodes and updates on the podcast.